0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. The older I get, <clears throat> and, I, and when I said that in the first service, it dawned on me when you're standing up saying, The older I get, that must mean something, right? because you think about it that way. But the older I get, the more I realize how important it is the way you look at life. How you see life in, in the big picture way affects hugely how you live in the nitty gritty of day in, day out, and the choices that you make. And if you are seeing the world the way it really is, then you are able to make choices that work for you instead of against you. But when you aren't seeing the world the way it really is, man, that sets you up to make choices that work against you instead of for you. So it really, really matters. And so we're in this sermon series for that very reason to to get us to think about how do we view life? How as Christians are we supposed to view life and so, uh, calling it overview, it's the big picture, looking at life. And what we've, we've said is that there are uh, choices that, as Christians, we must make, um, that we ought to make, that we should make, that are consistent with the way the world really is. And so we want to look at this whole idea, how we're looking at the world with with acknowledging there are some really high-level choices that we have to make and then seek to live out those choices every day. And so two weeks ago, we saw the first one, and that is that we must choose truth over feelings. Now, truth and feelings are both important. Both have a very important role to play in our lives. Remember, feelings are like the warning lights on the dashboard of your life, and it's like, also like positive reinforcement and motivation for doing what's good and right. That's the role of feelings. The role of feelings is not to determine what's really true. That's the Word of God and, and what is really true. And so we want to choose truth over feelings. And last week, we saw that we must choose Jesus over everything else. Because the truth is, Jesus is Lord, isn't he? He is Lord over all. He will be Lord over all. And when we submit to his authority of being Lord over all, it it just begins to make sense of, of all the other things in our lives. And that brings us to the third big overarching choice that we need to make. And we're gonna get to that in a little bit. Back in the 1800s, the, the late 1800s, scientists were all over were experimenting with this new invention, and they weren't really sure what they were gonna do with it, but someone had invented a cathode ray tube Now, cathode ray tubes were actually the the, the technology behind the first televisions, and you know, now we've replaced that with LED and LCD, that kind of stuff. But that was the technology behind it. But what it is, it's a vacuum tube, and they had, uh, they shoot electrical pulse through it, but there was nothing in it, supposedly. But then they started getting all these different things happening. They would turn this on, and, and certain things, like phosphorus, would begin to glow. And so they would do this and a little light would appear in the glass and they they try to figure all this out, what's going on with this? Well, uh, one man named William Rontgen, um, he um, um, was experimenting with this and he discovered that if you put a black cloth over this tube, that it would still cause things to glow. And so he began to realize there's something coming out of this tube that you can't see. And he continued his experiment, put it in you know, big boxes, covered it all up, same thing happened. And he, he discovered that if you had to put a photographic plate near, within six feet of this thing, if you would open the photographic plate, that, that would expose it, okay? And so he, he made a decision, just kind of accidentally off the top of his head, that forever changed medical history. He had his wife take her hand and put it in between the tube and the photographic plate. And we had the first x-ray. And you can see her wedding ring there. And so he was amazed to look at this thing because what he realizes is, is that different parts of the hand, the, the, the hand cast a shadow, different parts cast different darkness of shadow. And the bones were, you know, you could see them much more clearly in the flesh, not so much. But what this did is it opened up the reality that we can see below the surface here. We can see beyond what our eyes can see, right? What's before us. And we know the difference that made right now because now you can um, do uh, treatment for people. I mean, let me back up, what they used to do is if, if something was going on with the bones, they weren't sure, you know what they had to do to find out? They had to cut you open to find out, all right? Now they can look with an x-ray. Much less invasive and, and it solve so many problems. Now what was interesting is that uh, the general public learned about this too and all of a sudden x-rays started showing up everywhere. They, they put a, a, out photo booths. You know how these photo booths we see? Well they had x-ray photo booths that, that couples could sit down and put their hands in something and get a photograph of their holding hands, an x-ray. Isn't that romantic? Two skeletal hands, I don't know. Anyway, do that, but what was really cool is you go to the shoe store to buy a pair of shoes. You could put your feet inside the machine and, and look down and see your toes in these shoes, the bones, and see if, if they were fitting right. Now, it wasn't long before they figured out, because people started getting sick, that exposure to x-rays wasn't a good thing. Okay, so they began to figure that all out and lower the doses and all that kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, it just, it really did change everything because... Before this, you know, you look at the world around you, you look at the person, and all you can see is this. But now we can see beyond that. There's something else there. What a difference it made. Well, wouldn't it be nice if you could do that with your life? And you're looking out at your life and what's going on. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to See what's going on beneath the surface or behind the surface, and and uh, be able to figure things out. What a difference that would make! Well, there is a way, in some ways, that we can do that. Because when we look at the world, it looks like just just looking out at the world. You think you walk through the world. What do you see? There's things that you can see. There are things that you can hear. There's things that you can touch, things that you can taste. We have all the senses. and, And we look at the world, and just looking at the world this way, it seems like this is all there is, doesn't it? This is all there is. And yet, as Christians, we know that's not true. Right? There is more there is more than meets the eye, more than meets the eye going on in the world around us because there is a spiritual reality. Life is more than just what you can see and touch and what your senses can, can connect to. And that's important because just like looking at an x-ray, you're able to diagnose and figure out what to do so when we understand that there is a spiritual realm and we are able to connect with it the way God intends for us, we can see beyond what's right in front of us and make decisions that now work for us instead of against us, decisions that will honor and glorify the Lord. Now, Jesus talking to the woman at the well, and, and we know the story, most of us, but he, at one point he says to her, God is a what? Spirit. God is a spirit. So before there was any physical world, God exists. He is a spirit. That means God is not flesh and blood. He is not physical. God is spirit. And that's different than what we can see and touch and interact with here. God is a spirit. And then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. Alright, so this God who is spirit does what? He creates a physical world, a material world, the world that we see. Now, what he does is he, he, in the middle of all that, he also creates human beings. Okay? And as human beings, we kind of stand in the middle of this spirit and material. Because We are material beings, right? I mean, nobody here sitting around floating as a disembodied spirit today, right? I hope not. Anyway, so we, we are physical beings, material beings, but at the same time, it says that God breathed into us the breath of life and he gave us, he created us in his image. So we are spiritual beings as well. In fact, if we look at the Bible and say that we discover that we are first and foremost spiritual beings and that we live in this temporary house, this physical body. So God has taken us, He's he's put His image in us, made us spiritual beings for the purpose of us carrying out His will in this world, for us to express His image in this world, okay? And so we see there in Genesis chapter one, what's the Lord do? He, he creates man in his image and then puts him in charge and says, go run the world in a way that expresses who I am, expresses the image of God in our world. And so that's what he's given us to do. The, the spiritual realm then gives meaning to the physical world, gives purpose to it. The spiritual realm gives direction then for the physical world and how things work. So, when we consider this, there's a spiritual world and a physical world, and God has intent that that we bring the spiritual world to bear in this physical world. What is the relationship between those two things? How how does that work? Well, let's go to uh, the book of Romans. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to uh, take one from under the chairs and turn to page 1300, Romans chapter 8. And I might say to you that in our world today, and this is nothing new, but in our culture over the last couple hundred years, and uh, there are philosophers who look at the world and say, "Okay, let's just look and see what can we know physically here," and they they begin to try to reason and say, "If if this is all we see, and, and it's all we see, everything we experience, this is all there is." By the way. Someone after the first service was telling me that uh, you need to put your thinking caps on, okay? All right, so put your thinking caps on here. If if all that exists is this, right? What we can see and feel, all this, only a material world, if that's all there is, when philosophers try to reason from that standpoint and try to figure out life, they always end up in despair and gloom because they cannot come up with any meaning No purpose if this is all there is. And you need to know this because you're going to run across it. In our culture too, there is now um, uh, really a push of what you would call scientism. Scientism. By the way, God invented science. Okay, science is good, scientific methods, all that stuff, what it's for. But scientism says this, that if we can't study something scientifically, if we can't measure it, you know, weigh it, Look, if we can't do that, then it doesn't exist. Now, that's a huge jump, an illogical jump, but yet that is pressing in very hard in our culture. But again, where does it leave us with? It leaves us with no meaning. It leaves us with no value. Does it surprise you that people in our culture will self-destruct? Because what difference does it make, see? Because all they're seeing is what? This. All right, so what is the proper relationship between the spirit and the material world then? Let's look here, Romans chapter 8. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and though that's not really what the sermon is about, can we just stop there for a moment? What good news that is! How much condemnation? Not even a little. Do you ever feel condemned? There is no condemnation in Christ. He has paid the penalty in full. Now we have consequences of our choices, but there's no condemnation from God. He's already taken care of that in Jesus. All right, back to the sermon. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, and then it describes those who are in Christ. It says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, this word flesh uh, applies to a number of things. It applies to, obviously, this physical, flesh and blood, right? Not not the clothes, (laughs) the body under it. Um, So it applies to that, but in in another real sense, it applies to our nature apart from God, okay? And so our nature apart from God, separate from God, in other words, only in this realm only in the material realm. And right here we see the, the first, in this passage, the first sense of ordering between this world, the material world, and the spiritual. Based on that verse, which comes first? In priority. If we're in Christ Jesus, we walk what? Not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay, so let's look, the spirit's, First, in priority, let's read on. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. This is how Jesus died, paying the condemnation. Verse four, that the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us. And then it says it again, us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so here's what's happened. Before we get saved, our spirits are dead to God. We go back in Genesis and see that from the beginning. We're dead to God. Not that, you know, we can't know God exists, we can, but spiritually we're dead, there's a deadness there. The moment we receive Christ as Savior, God moves in and we come alive, and the spirit comes alive, alive to God. And so now we have not just flesh, but we also have what? Spirit. And he says there's a priority here. Which do we follow and live by? The flesh and the material world, or do we follow and live by the Spirit? Okay, see, so that's, what, that's the priority that we see happening here. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit <coughs> the things of the spirit. So we see right here that there's, you have to set your mind on something to live in the spirit. We've got to set our mind on the reality that there is a spiritual dynamic to everything we do. And we're gonna elaborate more on that in a little bit. Then he says this, verse six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now carnal is another way of referring to the flesh. Okay, carnal flesh, the same uh, root idea. And she says, when we're carnally minded, it means we are setting our mind on the things of the flesh. We are setting our mind on the things of this world. We are setting our minds on the material world. And apart from God, without God in the mix. He says, "And, and when we do that, what does it bring? Death. Everything that relates to death. Death. And I got up early this morning and I walked out of our bedroom and the other room and I said, Something smells. And, and what it was was we had cooked some meat two days before and that trash hadn't been emptied and there was some of the juice. The animal that it came from was dead and guess what it started to smell, right? Don't imagine it too much, you won't like it. So I had to get that trash out this morning. But what happened? What does death bring? It brings that in our lives. It brings a rottenness, a corruption. And so when we look at the world only as material, we only look at it on this level, we get all the crud. That's a Greek word somewhere. All the crud that goes along with that, okay? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So which would you like today? Far too often we choose the carnal mind He says, um, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, when you are only thinking on this level, only the material, only, you know, the here. When we say here and now, we're talking about the here part of this, only this, apart from God, that's that's against God because God's intention is that the Spirit be brought to bear. All right, so that's enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. God and so here you are if you are living only this way, and is this making sense to you? am I you feel like okay, then here now only what we can see is on this plane, on this level here. when we only live that way, we do not please God. it's impossible to please God that way okay all right, so this brings us to The third really big choice that we need to make and settle how we look at the world and all of life, choose the spiritual over the material. Choose the spiritual over the material. Now, really important for you to understand this. It does not say choose the spiritual instead of the material. That's important. Is the material world important? Well, God created it for a purpose, didn't he? Of course, the material world is, is important. The material world is where you and I live and where you and I can take the, the image of God and bring it to bear in this world. We can take the spiritual truths and bring them to bear in this world. And so, yeah, this physical world is important. That's where we live. I mean, if you want to stop living in this physical world, it's just going to be weird. You don't have any choice. You've got to live here. But the idea is we need to bring the spiritual to bear on this world, okay? That is crucial, and it's a big choice we need to settle in our heads that no more is life about this. Life is about bringing this to bear on this. That's what life is about. Really, really important. Turn to Galatians chapter five. So that's the choice. Choose the spiritual over the material. Well, what does this look like? Galatians chapter five, page 1341 in the Bible in the chairs. Let's start in verse 16. Paul's gonna give us a picture of the difference between the material world and the spirit being over the material world. Verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, so in this world, is there anything that ever tempts you that's not good? Right? Yeah, there's things that tempt us all the time that are not good. And he says this, that if we will walk in the Spirit, in other words, if we will choose the Spirit over the material, we can say no to those things. We don't have to do those things. But if you don't bring the Spirit to bear, guess what you're gonna do? Those things. <laughs> all right, let's read on. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Have you ever noticed there's a struggle here? Right, there's a struggle between living life this way and then what the spirit wants and figuring all that out. Sure, we struggle. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh. Okay, here we go. The works of the flesh. By the works of the flesh, again, we're talking about if we only go material. and I know material is a strange word to you maybe, but it's a word that's used to describe the opposite of the immaterial or the spiritual. So, if we only go this way, the material, only what we can see, touch, feel, smell, taste, we only live on this plane, the flesh. What does it bring in our lives? What does it bring? Let's read. First, it starts off with sexual immorality stuff. It says adultery, fornication, and fornication refers to any kind of sexual activity outside of the marriage of a man and woman. Uncleanness, lewdness. And then it talks about us making ourselves our own God. Idolatry, sorcery. And then it moves into relational issues, hatred contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries. And that revelries is the idea of, it's the partying when you think of it in the really bad sense, okay? And that's not the whole list. He says, and the like, things like that. That's what comes when you live life only in the material. And you don't bring the spiritual over. This is what comes. Pretty picture. Who would like to have these things written on your gravestone? Here lies Walt Graham, adulterer, fornicator. No, I don't want to go, right? It's ugly, it's terrible. He's going to give us the contrast, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against this there's no law. Obviously, there's nothing against it. Now, how would you like to have that written on your gravestone? Here's a loving person, a gentle person, a kind person. I mean, right? So what a huge difference between these two things and what they look like in life. Can you see why it's so important that we bring the spiritual over the material so we don't end up back like that. And it really enlightens my eyes when we read in Romans chapter eight and verse six, it said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Put that up if you would, Mitchell. Doesn't that make a little more sense after you look at this Galatians passage? All right. So Christians... Oh, okay, yeah. Let me say this to you. Um, Are you ready for a big idea? Another big idea this week? You ready, Rich, for another big idea? No, you're not? (laughs) He's tired, okay. (laughs) This one won't be as hard, okay. When we as Christians, and we believe in God, right? We believe in God. We certainly do, but when we as Christians live life without bringing the spiritual to bear over the material. When we live life that way, for all practical purposes, we're living like atheists. We're practical atheists. We're atheists in our practice. Do You see that? Because we're living here and looking at things and making decisions without bringing God into the mix, without bringing Him over without bringing the spiritual truths over this. We're just living here. You're living like an atheist. And we might say, well, I don't, I'm not an atheist. What are you talking about? Well, let's, let's think of a, a couple of situations. One, let's, let's imagine someone who's a, a young adult and thinking about getting married. You know, they want to get married someday. Well, if we're operating only in the material here, what kinds of things are we looking at and thinking about? Well, probably the very first thing we're thinking about is we want somebody who is attractive, Right? Someone who, when we see them, we go, Bong. do you remember how it is in the cartoons? What happens to the wolf's eyes? <laughs> I mean, if, if we're living this way, that's very important, isn't it? I mean, it is important. And then we're starting to think, you know, maybe status, how would I, if this was my husband, if this was my wife, how would I look? And, and can, can he or she make a lot of money? Uh, we, we're making all these kinds of, Uh, dealing with life this way without bringing the spiritual to bear over it. And you know what this does? This leads that young person to where he or she begins making choices that work against them instead of for them. Choices they will come to regret, okay? Why, they're living like practical atheists. And so let's think of a a Christian uh, person who's considering, thinking about career, maybe the career they're in or the career they want, and they begin looking and making decisions about this. If we're only living life here, what do we think about? We think about, wait, how much money can I make in that job? How, uh, what kind of prestige will that job give me? What kind of freedom to do what I want will that job provide me? What kind of security will I have in that job? And we're making all of those kinds of decisions without bringing God in the mix. And the problem is it leads us to make choices that work against us instead of for us living like practical atheists. Think about this. We think about um, the Lord's Prayer, right? Or the model prayer, however you wanna call it. If you you grew up in a Catholic church, you probably called it the Our Father prayer, right? If if you, you know, I know it in the King James, in Our Father, who art, where? Oh, that's a spiritual thing, isn't it? Hallowed be, yeah, your name up there, right? Not mine, that's a spiritual thing. Whose kingdom? Your kingdom, your spiritual kingdom. What? Come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See how this consistently brings the spiritual over the material. The material is important, but it brings the spiritual over it. You know, uh, give, us, give me this day. I, I need you to give me my daily bread. I need you to work, uh, and I need you to protect me because I get tempted and I need you to protect me from that and from the evil one, because really, God, my greatest desire is, is for your glory and your kingdom. Right? That's, that's, that's bringing the spiritual over, isn't it? But when we live like practical atheists, here's how that prayer goes. I am the most important person here. I am going to do my will my way. I will take care of myself and provide my own needs. I will not forgive those who do me wrong. I will repay them. I don't need anyone to lead me or show me anything. I will set my own standards of good and evil for mine is the kingdom and the glory and the power as long as I'm alive, amen, right? You see, we say, well, I would never live that way, but you know what? When you live out here and and you're living without bringing the spiritual over that, you do live that way. You know, one that's that's much more familiar to me is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and when it says, trust in the Lord. See, we're bringing the spiritual. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah, you need to understand, but you're not gonna depend on your understanding. You're gonna depend on God. In all your ways, acknowledge him, his ways, right? We're gonna bring the spiritual over it, and, and, and then what? He will direct your path. That bringing the spiritual over it is gonna accomplish his will and purposes in the material world here. But when we are living like practical atheists, it isn't that way. I will trust in myself with all my heart. I will depend on my own understanding, and I will acknowledge me and what I want in all of my ways and that I will direct my path. It really sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? But we can live that way if we aren't careful. So what would these scenarios look like if we backed it out and say, wait a minute, let's, let's bring the spiritual over the material in these situations. So we have this young person who is, who is wanting to get married. It's the natural desire to think, you know, I wanna get married. And so this young person begin, just starts, wait a minute, I need to bring the spiritual over the material. Okay, God, my life is yours. I have a desire to get married. I'd like to get married. And if that's your will and purposes, you know, please, but either way, I surrender my life to you. I will not compromise to get married. Hey, Father, I, I, I want to become the kind of person that if someone married me, I would be a blessing to them. I want to become a person who loves you more than anything else. A person who is humble and, and surrendered to you and is living my life by your words so that anybody who would marry me would be blessed by that. And Father, I only want to marry someone who's like that too. Someone who will love you more than they love me. Someone who will follow you no matter what. And so if the two of us can come together and be a picture of you and your church and, and, and we can honor and glorify you in, your, in our lives as we carry out what you... Do you see the difference? Now you begin making choices that what? Work for you. And work for you long term. Not just today. And then the person who's talking about the career and thinking about it, and instead of just thinking about you know, the money and the prestige and the benefits, they, they start saying, God, again, my life is yours. I, I want my life to glorify you. I want my life to show that you're real and that your word is true and that following you is worth doing. I want my life to show that. Father, you've given me certain gifts and abilities and I wanna use them for you. Would you lead me, Father? into a, to a job where I can do those things that you want me to do? Lead me to a job that is going to matter? You know, not all jobs matter. They're not all created equal. There are jobs out there where you can make a lot of money, but they are not worth doing as a Christian. Okay, because the bottom line is not the money. But you see, this thinking this way will enable you to say no to this job and yes to this one in a way that works for you, not against you. Really, really important. So, question, how do we know how to do this? How do we know how to bring the spiritual over the material? Um, When He he said to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. How do we do that? I want to show you a couple passages of Scripture here today. Uh, Go ahead and put that up. Ephesians five, Colossians chapter three, and I want you to show you something about them. Ephesians is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the passage in Colossians, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Very, very similar, aren't they? Not identical but very, very similar, really saying the same kind of thing to us. And it's not that part that I'm really interested in seeing. What I want you to see is this. These verses are pretty much the same, except for the first phrase. So go to that next slide. On the first phrase, Ephesians says, Be filled with the Spirit. This one says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the Word of Christ, certainly the Gospel and the message from Christ, but by application on to the Word of God. So it's saying, you want to you live a life that where the spirit you're choosing the spirit over the material be filled with the spirit that makes sense, doesn't it? But this says what? be filled with the word, which is it Which is it? yeah, it is both. Do you want to be filled with the spirit? Make sure you fill yourself up with the word and Surrender to it. You want to be filled with the word and understand it and have it make a difference in your life? You want to then be filled with the spirit. So the word of God is inseparably tied to us being able to choose the spiritual over the material. It is inseparably tied to that. And you know this is, we see this when Paul talking about spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, verse 17, he says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See the spirit and the word connected together. So if we want to bring the spiritual to bear over the material, we must go to the word of God. And so how do we choose the spiritual material? Well, first thing we do is we look to God's word for understanding and direction. You gotta open the book. You've got to look. You, the, the, you know what the neat thing about this book is? Is this book a material book? Sort of a trick question, right? It is a material book, isn't it? This it has, it has paper, and it has ink, and words, and all kinds of stuff it is. But yet, this book, I mean, Jesus said, he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. And so this book is a spiritual book as well. We have this intersection between material and spiritual and that's what we're trying to figure out. Okay, so we, we look to God's word for understanding and direction and then we live by God's word and then we experience his wisdom and protection. See, we're bringing the spirit to bear over that and it's not just the, the Bible because we need to spend time talking with God too. Prayer, right? If I use prayer, and I don't know what always pops in your head, I want to tell you to talk to God. That's what I want to tell you. Spend time talking with God. Talk to Him about His Word. Talk to Him about your life. Talk to Him about what's out here in the material world around you. And then pursue purposeful relationships with other Christians. Where you have relationships with other Christians that isn't just about the football game or the weather, but it's about what is God doing in our lives? How can I help you? to to know and to do what God wants. How can you help me? And we have this fellowshipping in the spirit. You know, and if you don't do this, you're trying to figure out how to live the Christian life the same way a doctor has to try to figure out what's going on under the surface without an x-ray. Right? Does that make sense? So we want to open the word of God spend time with God, live what it says, connect with other Christians who are also seeking to do this. And that will enable us to see how the spiritual, how to choose the spiritual over the material in a way that all the rest of our choices work for us instead of against us. Now, how many of you would say, I think I've heard you say that before. Well, have you ever heard heard me to say, you need to read your Bible? Open your Bible, read it, talk to God about it, think about it, fellowship. You say, yeah, okay, you told me I have for. You told me I told you. Yeah, but you get it? This is not some, these are not little religious things that you're supposed to do. Oh, I'm a Christian, I add this little religious thing to my life I'm supposed to read my Bible. Forget that, you wanna bring the spiritual to bear and the material so that it goes well with you and you honor God, open your Bible. See, this is, it starts to really, really matter. Open your Bible, learn it, live it, pray, fellowship. In so doing, you will continually choose the spiritual over the material. And you will always be glad you did. In fact, when I say always, I mean forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us about this, Father. Thank you that you reveal to us the reality of the spirit world, of you, of the spiritual truths, of spiritual dynamic, the fact that you, who are a spirit, live within us, and, and that only as we bring that to bear on this material world can anything make sense. And when we do, it makes perfect sense. So I pray, Father, that we would make this big, big choice or recommit ourselves to this big, big choice. And that you would just get after us and stir us to continue to look at life this way and to make each of our choices in a manner that's consistent with this. Not just so that our lives will be better, though they will, but so we can honor you and rightly glorify you and let you be seen in this physical world through us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.